Every day I wake up the news of a new Palestinian who was martyred every single day, jailing Palestinian children. Every single day, Palestinian child who was kidnapped by the Israeli occupation forces in the middle of the night and who will have a court date where he will stand before a colonial court on God knows what charges, if any, then will be held in captivity for months, maybe years. There will be absolutely no accountability for all the time lost or the torture that he endures. An Israeli snuck into Mecca and he specifically was like, look at the sign. It says it's for Muslims only. Hates boundaries. This is a dream come true. It's really a sad. dream about Pamela Anderson, but <laughs> I guess that's my Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Biden still talking about the two-state solution he just found out about it he is actually stuck in the 1950s he's like who are you who am i who <laughs> what year is it every day he wakes up and he's surprised that he's the president 51st dates but for ruling the world Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for justice and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada, if your version of camping is setting up an illegal outpost. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes, an additional one to two podcasts per week, including our latest podcast, the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours for our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash Palestine Pod. Right. Here we are. Another episode, Michael. What has been happening in the news of Palestine in the last week? Oh, just the same thing that happens every week, Pinky. <laughs> Zionists try and take over the world. Yeah, dude, you sent me that video of that Israeli journalist broadcasting from Mecca. Not you predicting the future. I mean, Can honestly... you predict <laughs> that I will make it as a comedian? I... I'm thinking about quitting this podcast <laughs> and just opening up like a Miss Cleo sort of situation and just taking people's calls and predicting yeah. the future. That's what I think I should be doing because literally, Hey, stop writing reality. We, did we talk about that on the Patreon pod or was that on the Palestine pod? I think, I think it was on the Patreon pod. Yeah. Yeah. So on the Patreon pod last week or two weeks ago, I, I specifically said, just wait, the Zionists are going to, next thing you know, they're going to be in Mecca and they're going to do it in the name of religious tolerance, which of course has nothing to do with anything and is just a cloak for their colonial ambitions. And literally two weeks later, this video surfaces of this Zionist reporter in Mecca talking about how he snuck into Mecca. And then it started, it, it actually caused 
somewhat of an outcry, but not as much as actually I thought it should have. And then the organization that he works for was like, oh, like, we're sorry. We didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm paraphrasing from their official statement, but it's basically like, we didn't mean to hurt anyone's feelings. We were just trying to see Mecca for the purposes of religious tolerance. And we think it's important to have access to all areas of the world. It's like, yeah, of course you do. We think it's important to have access to all areas of the world. That's why we blockaded Gaza. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) That's why we put 2 million people in a cage and they're still in a cage. Biggest open air prison. I think it's important people should go where they want. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot more than more of that, where that came from. You know, what was the creepiest part about that video? The creepiest part was the guy in it. Yeah, definitely. He started it by saying... (laughs) That guy was super weird. He was super weird. He started by saying, I am so happy to be here. Like, why are you so happy to be here? What? what Why? Why? What is this? This doesn't mean anything to you, except for maybe if you're planning on what you're going to do when you take over. I mean, what what about Mecca? Maybe he just survived like a traumatic event and he's just happy to be anywhere, right? I mean, like maybe, but probably not. I mean, the, 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 the way that he announced him, his his just general emotional state was highly creepy for me. Anyone can go back and watch that video. I think the Middle East Eye posted it on their Instagram. A shout out to Mete. She sent me the video. She's the one that sent it? Okay. Patron friend of the show. An Israeli journalist snuck into Mecca to make a documentary. And he literally specifically was like, look at the sign. It says it's for Muslims only. And here I am sneaking in. Like, is this documentary about Mecca or is it about you sneaking in? I mean, I don't really, I don't really understand. Fucking hates boundaries. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, but the creepiest thing, he's like, this is a dream come true. Really? That's your dream is to go to Mecca is to sneak in. That's, that's just so creepy. And if you can't, if you can't understand why you need a little help. Check it out. I really used to sad. dream about Pamela Anderson. <laughs> right? Right. But I guess that's my Mecca. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, no, Sorry. my Mecca is just Mecca. So <laughs> took, took me a second to get my own joke. I am high. Okay. <laughs> I stumbled my way to the punchline. Obviously, the IOF is still demolishing houses and destroying communities inside Masafar Yata. On the backbone of that, they have set up new illegal settlement outposts. It was like a mass organized effort by settlers to camp out and create this new illegal outpost in the West Bank. This area is undisputably recognized as Palestine. There's there's literally no dispute except for these insane people who break the law, camp out, and create these settlement outposts. And there was an article that came out in Haaretz is titled How a Jewish Settler Group Raised Millions to Set Up Illegal Outposts. The Nahala settler organization announced that it would set up three west bank outposts on wednesday even though this is illegal it raised five million shekels for the operation in three days through affiliated groups facebook apps and a chabad crowdfunding platform 
One of the occupation apartheid politicians, Benny Gantz, ordered security forces to, quote, prevent the outpost establishment and voiced concern that people might mistakenly think doing so is legal. I don't know if you saw the footage, but it didn't look like the soldiers were in the business of stopping the operation. On Tuesday evening, Nahala received messages saying that the first stage of the operation would be to reach the target site, wave Israeli flags, and set up tent compounds for families and teens. They are actively encouraging teenagers to get involved in this colonial effort. They say, hey, nobody's too young to colonize, okay? We want children at the forefront. By the way, we're worried about human shields. Anyways, Nahala is not a registered nonprofit organization. So to raise money, it gets help from other organizations groups, employing recently founded organizations that effectively function as its fundraising arms. Set up in 2017, which was the organization through which money was raised for the outpost near Nablus, its most visible operation in the past few years. So this organization has failed to file annual reports with the Registrar of Nonprofit Associations as required by law the last two years, and as a result, lost its certification of compliance with proper administrative practices at the start of the year. Reports it filed in previous years don't mention Nahala. So Charboff is a well-known colonizer in the neighborhood. His father, Uzi Charboff, was a member of the Jewish underground which planned terror attacks against Arabs in early 1980s, while his grandfather, Rabbi Moshe Levinger, was one of the founders of the Jewish settlement in Hebron. He comes from a long line of colonizers. The crowdfunding platform states that American donors can make tax-deductible donations to a campaign through yet another organization, the Ne'aman, Foundation USA. But in response to Haaretz's questions, the foundation said it was, quote, not aware of the planned activity, does not fund illegal activity, and has been removed from the crowdfunding campaign accordingly. They are insane. They have vowed to take over this new area in the West Bank themselves because they believe that the government is not actively colonizing Palestine quick enough. So you know, shouts out to the people who are like, hey, it's not the people, it's the government. It's not something that's core and essential to the identity of nearly every Zionist. So I want to talk about the aftermath of Biden's visit to occupied Palestine. By the way, he's got COVID. So let's see how that goes for him. I wonder if- Biden's got COVID? <laughs> I wish him a speedy recovery, but not too speedy because he doesn't have great balance. <laughs> yes, because he might fall <laughs> is what you're saying. I don't, I don't want him to hurt himself on the recovery. <laughs> I wonder if Lapid gave it to him. When he was opening that water bottle or what? <laughs> yeah, the fumes just like, you know. Dude, who opens the water bottle like that? I mean, that was honestly- berserk. That was so weird. And it just looked like he thought that's the only way that it could happen. It was bad form, no matter what he was trying to do. <laughs> no matter what, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that an impeachable offense? 
<laughs> I don't know. How can you be like, hey, that's the leader of this place? That's the leader. That's, that's embarrassing. That's the best one we got. We had five elections in the, in, the, in a minute. and Oh, was, yeah. And we love electing people. None of them are colonizing quick enough. So he makes a very bizarre statement during his visit to the occupied uh, West Bank, where he says, oh, the U.S. will, quote unquote, continue to insist on a full and transparent accounting for the killing of Shreen Abakla. The, the wording is very peculiar. It's like, we'll continue to insist. So that's all you're going to do. You're just going to keep insisting. Like, you're not going to actually see it through. You're not committing to it being done. And you're not committing to holding those individuals accountable. You're just committing to insisting. It's very weird. You know, when you go to law school. I'm not even committing, <laughs> not even committing to insisting, committing that they will insist. Correct. Right. Like, correct. Like, even, it's like even in certain instances. It's less. Yeah, it's, it's less more... of a commitment than you even read from your lawyerly digest because even, they said yeah. we in the future, we plan to commit will, to. Hold on. We will continue to insist. That is the quote. We will continue yes. to insist. And that's the thing. Yeah. It, it is. It is so divorced. So they're like, we're already doing our best. <laughs> yes. This is our A effort. We have nothing left. <laughs> but that's true but so that's the thing you guys <laughs> this is, this is like damn this this is the best you have that's the best we've got we've got snubbing her niece yeah we've got like that's got, the best you have we have like eight different layers removed of accountability right it's it's we will continue to insist We'll yeah. just be insisting. Insisting is the end results if you even get there. We're not even sure if you're going to get there. But, you know, I was going to say, when you go to law school, one of the things you learn is that every word matters. You can't just say words. You can't just say words, not have them mean anything. Or you can't just put words there if you don't know why they are there. You know, a lot of the times when I get a draft back from one of my partners and it's like, why is this word here? What is, what do you mean by this? Why this one word? And if you can't defend every word that is in your, you know, in your draft, then you're going to have a problem. So you really learn that to make every word very intentional. And they know this very well. The U.S. administration knows this, that the top levels of diplomacy know this. And that's why when they come out with these statements, ordinary people might be like, oh, well, look, the U.S., they've 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 issued this great statement. We are we are neutral. We are so, you know, we are these great arbiters of peace, you know, in the world. And it's like, no, no, no. Listen to what they're saying, like read the statement and actually listen to what they are committing to, which is nothing. They are committing to nothing. That is the biggest commitment you will get from them is just nothing. That is not true. They've committed billions of dollars to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, and that. In parallel to his really bizarre, we will continue to insist statement, he also published on the website of the White House something known as the Jerusalem-U.S.-Israel Strategic Partnership Joint Declaration. First of all, why is it called the Jerusalem Declaration? Like the Jerusalem US Israel. What is Jerusalem part of the US now? I don't get it. The Jerusalem US Israel Strategic Partnership Joint Declaration was issued on July 14th, 2022. Now, if you ever want 
to just get totally nauseous and uh, read language that is not only divorced from reality and entirely delusional, but just totally clinically insane with respect to Palestine. Read this Jerusalem-U.S.-Israel Strategic Partnership Joint Declaration. In it, you have, you know, the usual sort of statements about how the United States and Israel, quote, reaffirm the unbreakable bonds between our two countries and the enduring commitment of the United States to Israel's security. Okay, fine. We've seen that before. Unbreakable bonds? Yes. Bro, that is disgusting. Unbreakable. Yo, if you were in BDSM and you had unbreakable bonds, you'd get fired. Everybody's got a safe work, right? Everybody should have a point at which they're like, this is too much. Nope. The U.S. just said you can kill a journalist. We don't care. They said unbreakable bond after Israel unbreakable executed an American Palestinian journalist. Doesn't matter. It's still unbreakable. But the language gets weirder. It goes on to say, furthermore, The United States and Israel affirm that among the values the countries share is an unwavering commitment to democracy. Where, though? Extra. To to Hmm. democracy, where? (laughs) Right? (laughs) The rule of law. I'm sorry, but I didn't realize that two separate legal systems, depending on where you come from, was a commitment to the rule of law, which actually, you know, if you're a lawyer and you know what the rule of law means, means like an equal application of the law to citizens, to people, and that people are not treated differently by the law. But, you know, for in, in Israel. No, no, I think I think they, they understand it differently. I think it means ruling over people using the law. Yeah, rule of like, law. Like keep those people in a cage because they're Palestinian. That's mm-hmm. the rule of law over there. That is there. the rule of the law. Exactly. Like, hey, 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 what are where are your papers at? You look Arab. That's the rule of law over That's there. the rule of law. So anyway. Hey, 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 where are your papers? You look Jewish. That's the rule of law. Oh, wait, no, that was the that was the other place. That was Germany. Whoopsies. (laughs) Declaration then says that the countries share an unwavering commitment to the calling of Tikkun Olam, repairing the world. That's why we dropped nukes. You ever repair the world with nuclear bombs? Yeah, I mean, that's one way to look at it, I guess. You ever dismember a journalist to heal the world? You just sawing off the limbs and you're like, this is my calling to do good. You ever cover up the murder of a beloved Palestinian figure just to make the world a better place? Yeah. So beyond this flowery, vague, totally creepy language, the U.S. actually doubles down on some very concrete obligations and commitments that it is undertaking with respect to the apartheid state. So it goes on to say that the U.S. strongly supports implementing the terms of the current historic $38 billion memorandum of understanding, a.k.a. the $4 billion that the U.S. gives to Israel each year. Then the U.S. goes on to say the U.S. is committed to seeking additional missile defense assistance in excess of MOU levels in exceptional circumstances, such as the hostilities with Hamas over 11 days in May 2021. Israel appreciates the U.S. commitment to the MOU and for providing an additional $1 billion over MOU levels in supplemental missile defense funding. Further, the countries express enthusiasm to move forward the U.S.-Israel defense partnership through cooperation in cutting-edge defense technologies, such as high-energy laser weapon systems 
to defend the skies of Israel and in the future, those of the U.S. and Israel security partners. There is a burgeoning network of homeless communities in Los Angeles that could use a billion dollars. I run over potholes every day that could use a billion dollars. Yeah, not to mention the conflict with Hamas is reference to the murder of more than 250 Palestinians in Gaza in May 2021. And The conflict with Hamas is a reference to the siege of 2 million people in Gaza with no end in sight. The conflict with Hamas is sustained military assaults on a besieged defenseless population that have taken the lives of thousands of people in the last decade. That's the conflict with Hamas. But the strange thing is here, there is like an element of truth to their description of the obligations that they are undertaking with respect to the apartheid state, because they make it very clear. They are in this relationship because they're going to get out of it fancy new weapons technology. And they're very happy to have the apartheid state test that technology on the population that it is colonizing and the population that it is ethnically cleansing. And if it does that, then the U.S. is more than happy to continue to funnel billions of dollars into this relationship, because at the end of the day, it all goes back to weapons and technology for murder. That's it. That's what this is about. That's what this relationship is about. I mean, look at what happened in the wake of Biden leaving. They dropped bombs on Gaza once again, right? They lit up the skies of Gaza after they were like, our skies are unsafe. And it's like, no, you have billions of dollars of funding. You have some of the most advanced weaponry that the world knows. And you are engaged in a continued brutalization of people who have basically no resource. Sick, bro. Hey, remember when Jews identified with David instead of Goliath? Okay, pretty good. Some of y'all will remember the story of the Maccabees who were a ragtag militia who were underfunded and going up against a much larger and better equipped opponent. Some of y'all will remember that from Jewish history. So if you're wondering if the Palestinians ever come up in this bizarro statement, they do. Uh, At the very end of the statement is a tired commitment commitment in quotation by President Biden, who, quote, reaffirms his longstanding and consistent support of a two-state solution and for advancing toward a reality in which Israelis and Palestinians alike can enjoy equal measures of security, freedom, and prosperity. Again, advancing toward a reality. We are, we are, the language is getting, you know, is very far from the reality. We are just advancing towards, that's all we're committing to. The apartheid state gets unwavering support, but Palestine and Palestinians very much wavering. The support is a wave. It is wave running. There's the slightest breeze could waver. There's another statement. The United States and Israel commit to continuing to discuss the challenges and opportunities in Israeli-Palestinian relations. Again, committing to continuing to discuss. I mean, who is like... Do you see what is happening here? We commit to continue. Also, what are they? What challenging? What challenges are they? It's so hard to get rid of all these bodies. Like, what? (laughs) What are their challenges? You know, like you know, it's it's really, really, really disingenuous to talk about the situation as as if it's one of 
two states where these states have relations with one another and there are some challenges in these bilateral relationships. It should never be forgotten. We are talking about an apartheid state that everybody knows is an apartheid state. Type it into Google, Israel apartheid state, read all the reports. Go there, you'll see it with your own eyes. We are talking about an apartheid state that is, that is running on settler colonial gasoline, right? That it is, that is, has set up an apartheid system in order to fuel its settler colonial ambitions that every single day is kicking Palestinians out of their homes. Every single day, every single day is demolishing Palestinian homes. Every single day is jailing Palestinian children. Every single day. This is not, they don't skip a beat. They don't skip a day. Every day I wake up to the news of a new Palestinian brother who was martyred in the occupied West Bank every day. Every day I wake up to the news of a Palestinian child who was kidnapped by the Israeli occupation forces in the middle of the night and who will have a court date, you know, where he will stand before a colonial court uh, on God knows what charges, if any, and then will be held in captivity for months, maybe years before he is returned to his family. And there will be absolutely no accountability for all the time lost or the torture that he endures, right? Every single day. And it's as if we don't exist at all. It's as if our lives and the loss of our lives, not only that, like by the taking of our lives, but also the loss of our time and our ability to enjoy our life in this world. It just doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. It's not happening. So you can issue statements like this that are literally the opposite of what is happening. There is no effort to even situate the reality. Maybe you try to justify it and you say, yeah, we understand it's difficult. We know that there are some moments when these Zionists get a little crazy and, you know, we're working on it, but we really do think that it'll, you know, that we should really, you know, work on this relationship. No, no, no. It is the most extreme superlative language that you can find for a situation which demands the exact opposite demands total severing of ties with the apartheid state. That's what the situation calls for. That's what the human response is. That's what humanity, if you're thinking about this from a humanity perspective, that is what the only sensible reaction to their behavior is. But no, the U.S. issued this response, issued this declaration had no problem pressing publish, you know, on the whitehouse.gov page and did so in a context where Palestinians everywhere are saying, hey, do you really not care that one of your own people, an American citizen, was executed in broad daylight by this government that you just continue to issue all these romantic statements about? Does it really not matter to you? The desire to issue these overwhelmingly romantic statements about the apartheid state is just so strong that, like they say, it doesn't matter what the apartheid state does. If the apartheid state comes and sets up shop in the U.S. and is like, hey, guys, you got to go. We're expanding. Greater Israel is here now. So you guys all got to go. I mean, never mind the fact that, that the majority of us are all settlers anyway in the U.S., but it's almost like they would say, sure, you can have it all. It's an unbreakable bond. Here we go. We are now just going to go, you know, like we're going to walk off the cliff into the ocean. I don't know. I mean, what what is this bizarro relationship about? It's almost like nothing, nothing can penetrate the 
the absurdity surrounding this relationship. Nothing. I mean, it's like, how do you, where do you start? You're a Palestinian. Let's say you want to lobby Congress. Let's say you want to lobby Congress. Let's say you want to go to DC and you want to ask for a meeting with, I don't know, whoever lawmaker. And this is the, this is the fucking statement that is published on the us.gov page. Where do you start? You're supposed to start with this statement. How, how you have nowhere to go. You have nowhere to maneuver. There's, there's not a single opening here for anything because you not only do you not have any points in common, but you are so far like on the other side, you're, you're not even in the same place. Where do you start? I don't know. As a Palestinian, when I read something like this, it's just like every sentence is an affirmation that my humanity is that I, a, that I don't exist, b that my life doesn't matter. C that I don't deserve any any of the guarantees or any of the rights that a human born into this life could expect, you know, tough luck. It's because you're Palestinian. That's it. It doesn't matter. It's just you're Palestinian. So tough luck. And and here we go affirming our unbreakable bond to the apartheid state. Let us just, you know, continue to just marinate in this obsession. Scientists are beating off to that clip. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Like I, <laughs> they're they're over there. Like preach, sister. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about like lobbying Congress? Even the so-called allies of Palestine in Congress are going on normalization trips. Shout out Jamal Bowman, who went to the occupation with occupation officials, posed for pictures. And wants to say that he's, you know, an ally to Palestine. He doesn't even really support BDS. And then also you got like fake felony AOC who literally just got a ticket and then claimed to be arrested. (laughs) She she went she used to be like free Palestine when she was running for Congress. And now that she's taken a couple meetings, she's like, I am committed to hearing about whatever you have to say. She used to be like, abolish, abolish ice, right? That was her initial slogan. And now she's like, listen, ice melts if you leave it out long enough, right? Like if you put it under the, if in this heat wave, if you leave it outside, ice melts. So solidarity. (laughs) Oh, and also with respect to Biden, still talking about the two state solution. In fairness, he just found out about it, right? Because he is actually still stuck in the 1950s. He was like, this sounds like a pretty good idea. This is a uh, who, who somebody, has anybody thought of this? Has anybody mentioned this before? Brand new to him, you know, Listen, pretty much everything is. Got, uh, t- he does, doesn't know, doesn't know his wife. Everybody, everybody's brand new. <laughs> Hear me you out. Know? Hear me out, Michael. <laughs> He's like, who are you? Who am I? Who? What year is it? <laughs> Hear me out. I'm the president. Every day he wakes up and he's surprised that he's the president. Isn't that wild? It's like 50 first dates, but for ruling the world. Dude, every day, every day he's got to watch a video that's like 10 minutes that explains to him who Richard Nixon is, right? Like he's out of it. <laughs> Basically, they're just like, listen, just don't do this, okay? Whatever the, you see what happened here, just wake up. We'll feed you soup. Like we just need you. To not do this stuff. And he's like, what's this button? (laughs) The nukes? (laughs) Where are my chicken nuggets? (laughs) He said, somebody come change my diapy. In this creepo statement, Washington affirmed that it would work with Tel Aviv to, quote, combat all efforts to boycott or delegitimize Israel, to deny its right to self-defense 
or to unfairly single it out in any forum, including the UN or the International Criminal Court. First of all, the notion <laughs> that the US is talking about, it's not fair. Stop singling out Israel. It's not fair. Are you a toddler? Is this a playground? Are you, what is happening? I don't understand. What is not fair? You are yeah. literally two nuclear powers. What's not fair about, I mean, are we supposed to feel bad for a nuclear power? I don't get it. Stop using international bodies to try and get accountability for war crimes. <laughs> Stop it. The hilarious part is those bodies, their, their raison d'être, as we say in French, the, the literal reason for their existence is to investigate violations of international law. And the U.S. is saying, we don't think it's fair, you know, to 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 put Israel before these 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 forums. We, we don't think that that's fair. And then continues yeah. to recite the line about Israel's self-defense. We know that an occupying power has no right to self-defense. And we know that you don't have a right to self-defense against the population that you are mm. occupying and colonizing. It doesn't exist, but they just use the words anyway, even though they're not real. The U.S. can issue a statement like this. That is, every single word is a lie. There is not one thing in this entire I don't know, like five page statement that is true. Every single word is a lie. If they lie about this, what else are they lying about? And we know they're lying about this because everybody around the world is documenting what is actually happening in Palestine. You know, we have the videos, we have the reports, we have the eyewitness. We, we know people like we, we, you see it happening. It's, it's, you know, if, if you have a doubt, let there be no doubt. Just go follow Ion Palestine. They'll show you every single day what the apartheid state does to Palestinians. Adnan Bark, follow Basaladra, follow the people who are literally documenting the destruction and demolishment of their communities live, right? Like follow, it's happening live. Follow Nisreen Salem, follow Mona Al-Kurd, follow Mohammed Al-Kurd, follow Palestinian youth in Palestine and see, compare their reality to the words of this statement and then understand yeah. what the U.S.'s role in all of this is. And it is very problematic. Every single American should be enraged and every single American should be committed to dismantling Zionism and the apartheid state in their lifetime. We missed this, but earlier this month, foreign ministries of several European countries issued a joint statement whereby they basically said that Israel's designation of those six Palestinian civil society organizations as terrorist organizations turned out to be a total fraud. They said, quote, no substantial information was received from Israel that would justify reviewing our policy towards these six Palestinian NGOs and basically saying that Israel lied about all of this. You have at the same time that this joint statement comes out, several leaders of the EU disregarding this statement, acting like it doesn't exist, and doubling down on their commitment to their relationship with the apartheid state. And the probably the, the leading figure in this sense is the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, who is a highly Zionist lady, continues to make statements, essentially affirm the European Union's commitment to the apartheid state in a similar way as the U.S., but maybe a little, maybe just like a smidge less extreme, right? Her name is Ursula? Yeah, her name what is, is Ursula. What, is she a witch in a Disney movie? 
Um, See if she floats. In the aftermath of that statement by the foreign ministries of Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Ireland, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, and Sweden, it almost didn't matter that that statement was made because very shortly after that, 27 EU foreign ministers voted unanimously in favor of strengthening economic and diplomatic ties with the apartheid state. And this goes to show that the apartheid state continues to push the limits and continues to see how far it can get without any accountability. Can we just say, can we just lie? Can we just say that these six human rights organizations are terrorists? Let's just say it. Let's just see what happens. Just make these allegations. Okay, you've you've said it. Governments have come back and said it's not true. We we don't find any evidence of this. And then what happens? They say, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Let's just continue to strengthen ties and work more closely with Israel. And we're really excited about it. So the takeaway here is that anything that the apartheid state does in depriving individuals of their rights, whether they're Palestinians or their supporters, because it's never met with any accountability from anyone. They just continue to see, well, what else can we do? Can we just say that they're terrorist organizations? Sure. Can we just execute an American Palestinian journalist? Sure. Why not? What else are they going to do? What's going to happen next? I My prediction is that it is going to... Be careful now, because remember, you're writing history. The apartheid state is going to get more and more outlandish. It is going to get more and more extreme and, and aggressive yeah. and violent in in its violations of, 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 of human rights. It's going to... Let me do one. I think they're going to assassinate an American politician and then live in his house. Who's that? I don't know. We'll see. But we'll figure it <laughs> out. Were you thinking of anyone in particular? No. just oh, okay. uh, I just see them getting more brazen and just being like, well, I own this house now. It's yeah. mine. And, uh, you know, they want to wax poetic they, they they can accuse people of being terrorists all they want but they're literally holding thousands of people in concentration camps subjecting them to torture not giving them medical attention no no charges against like there are palestinian prisoners who are on hunger strike right now khalil awada and rayed raya continue their hunger strike in protest of their administrative detention without charge or trial rayed has been on hunger strike for 106 days and Khalil has been on hunger strike for 141 days. This is a last resort, a last ditch effort when your case has been overlooked for so long is to just say, I will not eat because this circumstance is so unjust. So shout out to every political prisoner and especially those on hunger strike right now. So there's a young Palestinian man named Ahmad Shamali of Al-Farwar, refugee camp in Hebron. And he was a political prisoner who was let out after three years of imprisonment. There's a heartwarming video of him reuniting with his mother after the time that he spent locked away in the occupation's arbitrary prisons. You just, you go there for being Palestinian. You go there for being a male of fighting and resisting age not even actually resisting they're just snatching up kids like they're fucking working for Gislaine maxwell it's like if you're palestinian every you just have been in the zionist prison they like yeah. you've, everyone has and on on this subject i want to shout out my friend iad bornalt again because his son abdul khalaq was arrested again 
Now, you guys will remember this story because initially the Bornoth brothers were arrested together last year, and we had invited Iyad, their father, to be on our program. They're good friends of mine from the occupied city of Belain. And we had been providing updates during various episodes, but eventually the Zionists let Abdul Khaliq out and they kept Muhammad, the younger brother, in detention. And every month or so, they would convene a hearing where they would just decide to postpone his trial for another month. And that's what they've been doing basically every month for like the last almost year now. And as for Abdul Khaliq, they had arrested him and they had kept him for something like six or seven months. And then eventually they released him because the parents were asked to pay a fine to the Zionist state, which they did. And they were able to get one of their sons released. Again, no charges were brought. He was just arrested, held, tortured. The parents pay a fine. They get their kid back. This is what happens, right? And this is not an unusual story. This happens all the time. Now, for their other son, they were not able to do this for whatever reason, you know, because, you know, just arbitrariness, because that's what the apartheid state is. is It's just arbitrary. So Mohammed remained held and remains held until this day. And the colonial court just keeps postponing and postponing and postponing any decision on his future. And last week... I heard the news that Abdul Khaliq was arrested again. And so now he's back into this system of being held, being tortured, awaiting a court date, which, you know, may or may not come anytime soon. We have no idea. And then eventually his parents will pay again to have to get him released. Same thing will happen when the Zionists decide that they're done with holding Muhammad. A couple of weeks before Abdul Khalaq was arrested the second time, I actually spoke to him on the phone and I spoke to his mom. They were in Turkey for the graduation of the oldest son, Majd, from college. And so the mom and Abdul Khalaq and the sister and the youngest brother all traveled to Turkey to attend the uh, graduation of the oldest brother, Majd. And I spoke to Abdul Khalaq and I said, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? How How's the time with the family? He was super happy to be in Turkey, to be there for his oldest brother. And, you know, I, the mom said to me, like, I'm obviously happy for my son, but can any mother, she said this, and this is her quote, she said, can any mother truly be happy when she knows one of her children is being tortured and is far away from her? And I said, no, of course not. Of course not. I mean, what a silly question. Like no mother in the world could ever, I mean, how, how can you, how can you even, how can you deal with that at all? I mean, how can you put on a happy face at all when you know that, you know, your son is being mistreated. There's nothing that you can do to change it. And you're just at the whim of your colonizer whenever they feel like they're ready to let your son go. And lo and behold, two weeks later, after this incident, after, you know, me calling them to say congratulations, Majd, on your graduation and prayers for Muhammad and Abdul Khaliq, I hope you're getting, you know, back to your activities and that, you know, you're getting back to your regular life. Because I asked him, I said, what do you want to do? What are you going to do now that you're, you know, released? And he's like, well, you know, I'm still studying. I, I got behind a little bit because, you know, of all the times I've been arrested. And I said, you know, what are you studying to, to do? And he said, well, I want to be a lawyer. I want to represent the Palestinians that get arrested and tortured in, you know, the military, Zionist military prison. So I'm, I'm trying to work my way up to that. So, I mean, just listen to this reality. Like you spend your life, your youth getting arrested in and out of colonial prison. And then your dream is to just be a lawyer and help those people who continue to be arrested like you were in your youth. Because it's a, it's just like a, it's just this like industry of arresting Palestinian children, making their parents pay to get them released. And it just keeps going and going and going. And the apartheid state is just financing itself through this as one of the major means. Both brothers are back to being 
detained and tortured and held by the Zionists. This is a sustained campaign of targeting the Burnat family. Why? Because they are the family in Bil'in that has managed to garner international attention for the occupied city of Bil'in because they are organizing protests at the side of the wall every single Friday. They have been doing so for years because they are, with respect to Palestinian civil society, some of the most active in terms of organizing for their freedom and their liberation. And because their land was stolen by Israel and they're not just laying down and dying, they're doing something about it. And it doesn't matter that the children have never done anything to actually endanger the colonizers, as if that's even like anything we have to even answer for. But like, let's just say it, you know, it's free the Bornoth brothers again. It's the checkpoint to prison pipeline. Speaking of postponing court appearances, Ahmed Manasra, he had a court hearing postponed its final ruling on ending the solitary confinement of the political prisoner. He was arrested in 2015 at the age of 13 years old, and the 21-year-old has been kept in solitary confinement. Israeli court postponed a session of Ahmed Manasra that was supposed to be held regarding his possible transfer from solitary confinement to the general department in the jail until the 16th of August. So this is what they do. They just arrest children and then they steal their childhood through administrative procedure, like just paperwork they use to suck the soul of a child. Paperwork and also torture. They they justify the torture with paperwork, right? Shout out. Uh, yes. What is it? John Yu? John Yu and the torture memo? Not torture. It's extraordinary rendition. It's enhanced interrogation technique. Enhanced interrogation technique. That's what the Bush administration called it. Yeah. Yeah. And that guy got a job at Berkeley Law afterwards. So it's not like America is in any place to talk about morality. There was also that disturbing footage of teenagers harassing women at a train station and shouting and yeah shouting an a jew is a sweetheart and an arab is a whore and it's just really yucky the vibe is super yucky like that is harassment that is sexual harassment it's at the intersection of like patriarchy sexual violence colonization it's very hard to watch and they're all like a lot of them are wearing yarmulkes they outwardly appear as jews but they are acting in such a way that makes me think that they have literally no morality because you wouldn't treat people like this if you were following the book. You wouldn't you wouldn't be so icky inside and out if you were practicing a religion that has to do with justice. I mean, I'm just I keep watching the video and I just keep getting so angry because they are so young and so gross and so their minds are so polluted with Zionism. They don't see that this is disturbing on multiple levels there was a guy in that video that literally had like what appeared to be a boom box on his shoulder and was like this to like the chant 
what is your life like when that is the kind of stuff that just like gets you going that that's the kind of stuff that just like entertains you that you know gets you pumped up it's like did you how was your day it's like oh it was awesome i i I ripped off a spike lee movie (laughs) and i fucking harassed him at a train stop yeah I hurled racist profanities at a bunch of Palestinians. Great day. I can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Like what is, is that your life? Is that your existence? Is that all that you were born to do? Very disturbing. What else is crazy about that video, Michaels? If you watch the Palestinians in the video, it's just like, well, this is what they do. This is what the Zionists have been doing. We've been telling y'all, you know? Yeah. It, it, it's it's just very much like yeah this is this is what they do they they steal our land they hurl profanities they commit violence against us and we are just literally trying to get on a train there was almost there was no Man. reaction there was no reaction their faces were just like as if like they were you know as if they were as if nothing was happening it's their every day it's their lived experience every day and so it's like yeah you probably grow a tolerance to it but goddamn watching it from the outside you just how could you be confused in this situation? How could anybody be like, oh, it's so complicated mm-hmm. when it's like, I don't know. I'm watching insults like sexual harassment go in a basically a, a one way street. And it's a one way street that they renamed from its Palestinian name. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're they're not. There is no not a ton way. of sexual violence coming from Palestinians towards Israelis. Right. Yeah. Not a ton of both sides. Not a ton of both sides there, no. Not a ton of Palestinians demolishing Israelis' houses. Not a ton of both sides. Actually, incidentally, they're building them because they rely on Palestinian workers to build illegal settlements. So it's actually the opposite. Yeah. Not a ton of Palestinians imprisoning Israeli children and torturing them. Not a ton of both sides. What is it you think people are confused about at this point? I don't know. Maybe they just keep reading statements like the U.S. declaration. And then they're like, but, you know, it just sounds so complicated. Yeah, they're like, hey, they're like, hey, this credible human rights organization says it's apartheid and they've got a bunch of kids in jail. But then Joe Biden said that we have unwavering support. So it's like, I don't know who to trust. Sometimes I get confused, you know, because I read a statement from Joe and I'm just like that counteracts everything I've ever heard. So and seen with my own eyes people wake up every day with joe biden's brain you know what i mean and they're just like what what about today today i think i'll comment online something ignorant today i will tell everybody that it's complicated yeah today i'm gonna say something about three hundred thousand years ago Uh, oh man did you see that creepy as fuck video prepared by the Israeli ministry of some fucking shit that I don't know where they've got these two teens, one gender ambiguous being like, come to Israel. They are using the apartheid state is using gender fluidity and all of the, uh, and, 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 and sexual identity and concepts that are, keen that people are keen on in social justice circles and human rights circles to try to mask apartheid they are weaponizing wokeness they are trying to co-opt anti-racist language and people who appear to be anti-racist actors right and so they use people as pawns in their 
promotion of the apartheid state for tourism purposes but it was a mashup the video that i saw was a mashup of like the original video and then footage of the apartheid state's violations beating children bombing places destroying villages etc all while the audio was like you know the original video about hey come to tel aviv it's the most progressive i did see that video come to tel aviv come to the beaches come to the nightlife nightlife beaches reminds me of a video i would have made a few years ago when i was tearing down zionists in my early online days really you wouldn't make that video now No, I mean, I would still make that video now, but it just it reminds me of the style of video that I used to make, you know, where it was like the audio of one thing over the visual image of another Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. vice versa. Like I did I did one about the Kristallnacht, which was the Jewish night of terror in Germany. And then I put it I put that audio over the events of May 2021, when there was essentially a Kristallnacht in Palestine. You know, windows breaking, people burning religious sites, etc. It was great. Whoever did it, good work. I don't know who made yeah. the mashup, but it went it went viral, and the point is very well received, heard loud and clear. It, you know, first it was like the pink washing, where it was just like, okay, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna go with the gay rights thing. That's we're gonna like, you know, we're gonna try to situate ourselves as this, you know, place of just gay freedom. And now it's like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. oh, gender is the new issue. Okay. We're going to go with that. We're going to go, we're going to get a video out there. When Roe v. Wade started popping off in the news cycle, they started redwashing and they were like, we're the best for abortion. We're, <laughs> yes. we're the abortion capital of the world. <laughs> we love so- abortion. <laughs> that so true. Why do we ladies, talk about that? Ladies, prepare your tubes. Then head on over to the occupation where you can get an abortion. Unless you're Palestinian. You get a punch card, 10 abortions, and your 15th abortion is free. <laughs> what happens to abortions 11 to 14? You got to pay for those because we love money still. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so Read true. the fine print. Unwavering support for abortion. That was older. Unbreakable support. For abortion. Okay, Michael, what you just said is actually brilliant because that analysis was everywhere. It was all over Twitter. All these Zionists were yeah. like, oh, it is a scary time to be in America. Well, thank God I can go to Israel where I can get an abortion. No questions asked. And it's like, no, I don't, I didn't see anybody actually. Did you just coin redwashing? Did you just make that up? Yeah. And also it's like, nobody's fucking you. Calm down. You know what <laughs> I mean? You are insufferable. You're the most <laughs> annoying person on Twitter. Don't worry. Nobody is going to get you pregnant. Yes. <laughs> you look like a bridge troll. You know what I mean? Like you must find a Quasimodo to mate with, but don't uh, stop this. Stop this insanity. I probably got a bleeper name. She'll yeah, sue me. For a hundred percent, she'll sue you. But hey, everybody knows who I'm talking about. That fucking insufferable online person. <laughs> it reminds me of the women who were like celebrating the end of Roe v. Wade, right? And right. I was like, wow, those women must get absolutely no dick. That's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what a weird person. They've had sex twice and it was for the children, right? To create them. And that's it. Just twice in their 30 year marriage. And they're wondering why it's not working out. Mm hmm. They're like, we did it twice. We didn't enjoy it. (laughs) 
folks that's been another episode of the palestine pod thank you all so much for listening check out our full episodes and sources at www.palestinepod.com follow us on instagram at the palestine pod send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com and check us out on patreon www.patreon.com slash palestine pod that's been another episode of the palestine pod thank you all so much for listening have a great day Doo-doo.